What's happening, everybody? Welcome to a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and our last Friday All Access in-season show. Man, it makes me like sad and kind of excited in some sense to know what 2023 is going to bring, but I'm glad to be with you no matter what. We got plenty for you tonight. This first segment is going to set it off. There's no, there's no question. Now, we'll hear from Kenyon Green a little later. We'll hear from AJ Can a little later, Amari Rogers a little bit later. So we've got some players to hear from a little later in the show. Larry Overton, who covers the Colts for Colts.com. She's also a sideline reporter for the Colts. We'll join Deepy in a little bit. We'll have my keys and my predictions. Uh, we also got a deep slam with Tremont Smith. But this segment, we always start with the head coach of your Houston Texans, and that's Lovey Smith, and that's going to be followed up by the GOAT. That's right, Andre Johnson. So let's hear from Lovey first, and then Mark and I had a chance to catch up with Andre Johnson. We'll have that second. Here's Lovey with Mark. Coach, it's a lot of weeks where I ask you how the week of preparation went, especially this week with the Hamlin situation. News gets better as the week goes on, but how has that affected things and impacted the team getting ready to play the Colts? You know, we went through, uh, you know, everything that happened with DeMar like everyone else early in the week. Had a little bit of time to um, soak it all in, go through the different emotions, as I say it. And then you see that, um, number one, he's getting better, which is a positive thing, uh, which I think allows the guys, everybody, not just our team, everyone to start to really think about moving forward. So that's where we are. The game is played this week. We have our final game coming up. Players have handled it like a pro, like they've done everything else. Sam Ellinger starts for them. Is he one of those keep-your-head-on-a-swivel kind of quarterbacks where he could run with it, he could make a play in a unique way? Uh, yes, he is. You know, you go into the game, all right, as a guy, drawback pass, and he's not looking to throw the ball. That's It's a different mindset, different game plan that you use. But coming in when you know a guy, that's been his history. Everybody has a history. I mean, Sam can make all of the throws, but he'll he's not – shy about taking the ball, you know, pulling it down, tucking it away, and trying to get the first that way. So we'll have to be conscious of that, and we are. I feel like our defense is set up for that. We have a, a lot of mobile athletic guys that, that uh, hopefully can handle it. Well, they're very different from opening day, but do you think the identity as far as wanting to run the football well is still a big part of their DNA in the finale? Yeah, I think so. And, um, you know, you just go back to, you know, the quarterback and some of the players that um, getting a great opportunity want to show exactly what they can do. But um, I think when you make changes during the year, you don't completely change who you are. So they're running some of the same basic plays. Different guys maybe call them at different times. Right. Passing game is not like they've thrown out everything that they believed in early on. Uh, the guy that's calling the plays, I'm talking about offensively right now, uh, has been there on the staff. And defensively, Gus Bradley is still there. We all change a little bit during the course of the year, but not much. Yeah, what about facing them on defense? Because they've put up some good performances, even in some of their losses on that side of the ball. I think a lot, you can look at a lot of that the way you can with us. I mean, I think the defense has continued to play hard. They've taken a the ball away. You know, back to the the play hard part. When you get down to the last game, a lot of it is just that. Right. The guys want to play hard and compete, and I know that they're going to do that. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about that because this is one last opportunity to make an impression before the offseason, and who knows what happens in the offseason, players' careers and things like that. Uh, yes, one more chance, and it's as simple as we all know that. You know, nothing stays the same, uh, but um, you are getting ready to put – 
uh, something on video on exactly who you are. Everyone knows what type of year we've had. So to put your final game to be a good game, that's telling an awful lot about you too. So um, I know that's what most of our guys, are, not most, that's what our guys are thinking. Coach, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck. Thank you. All right, that was week 18, the last game of the year. Lovey Smith sitting down with Mark Vandermeer, as he does each and every week. We always appreciate Lovey's time, uh, all the time he's devoted to the show on Monday and then sitting down with Mark on Friday, all the halftime interviews, post-game interviews with me. Uh, he has been fantastic. One individual spent some time with Mark and I this week, and we had a blast. We had an absolute blast. We always do catching up with the GOAT. Andre Johnson. Well, obviously, Mark's got a long history with him, having covered all his games in Miami and calling all of his games here with the Houston Texans. I've got to know Andre since 2014. And when he hops in the studio, it's just the three of us. Man, we'd love to wax poetic about things uh, that have taken place. One question in particular that I've been thinking about for a while has to do with, well, with you young folks. If you didn't get a chance to see Andre Johnson, who would he say he compares closest to now, in the game, who does he look at and think, that's me, just how many ever years later? Interesting answer, because we used to face that guy a lot, having played for a team in division. Either way, you'll get to that in just a second, but here's Andre Johnson with me and Mark. Joining us now in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, it's Andre Johnson, like you need an introduction here. All right. <laughs> Pro Football Hall of Fame finalist, also Ring of Honor member, the first Ring of Honor member in the history of the franchise. But I'm going to start here, Andre. What do you think of all the new merch for the Houston Texans? <laughs> the H, I saw you rocking the battle red jacket. What are yeah. you thinking? It's it's uh it's nice, man. Um, you know, it's it's different. It's mm -hmm. different. Um, I think it, it brings a little swagger, uh, you know, to the organization. So, uh, and it's, I think it's got a great response too from the fans. So, um, I like it. I think it's gonna do do well. Okay, given the merch, and I think about the Thursday night game against the Eagles, what would you have rather worn? We've seen that Columbia blue flying around, that Texans or uh, Houston blue that we have going around, mm. or the red helmet. What would you rather wear? If you had to pick one, which one would you rather rock? I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably the red helmet. The red helmet's sweet. Better battle red gear. Red jersey, white pants. Red jersey, red pants. We've even seen the red jersey, blue pants. Your thoughts? Um, red jersey, red pants. Okay, go with the all red. Yo, you've done th that. that was 2007. Those Broncos, right? I yeah, call them ketchup bottles. I think that, and also maybe against Baltimore in 2010. Some of it's a yeah. blur right now. Yeah. Andre, what's this process been like for you? You said something at your press conference I thought was interesting, and I think it's it's, I mean, I try and teach myself that, but I know I can't. You said, there's nothing else I can do. I can't catch another pass. I can't go out there and score another touchdown. So I've, I've done what I could do. And that what you said, how has this process kind of been for you? Knowing that it's really out of your hands. It's just what other people have to say, whether you get in or not. How's that process been for you? Well, I've always, um, when I first got here, uh, Kippy Brown was my receiver coach. And he used to always tell me, I had never had anybody tell me he was like control the things you can control and uh ever since he told me that it just kind of always stuck with me so um when people ask me like do I get upset you know like because I didn't go in as a first ballot and I'm like no like why would I be upset yeah. I, mm -hmm. you know if, if it was me um 
if I could play more games and, you know, then there's some control there, right. you know, to affect it. But I can't do anything about it. It's, it's, it's in, other, in the judge's hands. And, um, you know, hopefully I can get in. And that's just the way I look at it. And you were asked about Reggie Wayne in the press conference. I yeah. think John McClain asked you about him. And, you know, I'm thinking back to, like, wide right three. And, you know, <laughs> that was the first season you were eligible. And in that game, Anquan's playing in that game. Right. Reggie's in that game. You're on the Hurricanes. Do you think back to those days and how many Hall of Famers or potential Hall of Famers you were around? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, just even, you know, looking back uh, just at Miami, um, not just the teams we played against, but uh, – Man, I played with a bunch of great players, you know, at Miami. So, uh, you know, I, I when people ask me about it, I tell them, I'm like, man, it was tougher in practice than it was in, you know, some mm. of the games that we played. So um, it was – I always tell people, man, those days were like some of the best days of my life. So um, just a great group of guys, man, who were on the same page and wanted, you know, to win championships. Andre, would it mean that much more for you to go in with somebody you have a connection with, i.e. Reggie, if you went in together, or you went in with Devin Hester, you, know, you get three Hurricanes going in the same right. Hall of Fame class, which would be incredible. And then you throw Zach Thomas in there with a connection to Miami. Would it be more special that you would have somebody else go in there with you, or um, just you want to just get in and that's the way it is? No, I, I definitely think it would be special if you can go in with someone you have a connection with. Um, that To me, that just makes it even better. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I actually texted Reggie last night and, um, you know, I con congratulated him on being a finalist again. And, you know, I just told him, I was like, hey, man, I wish we both can just kick the door down this yep. time. You mm -hmm. know, so, uh, you know, he responded back with the same thing. So <laughs> uh, I think if, you know, I don't know if it, they ever took two receivers in at one time or not, but uh, if that was to happen – where me and Reggie can go in together, man, that'll make it even better. So, yeah. Is there any trash talk between you and Reggie and you pointing out, hey, you had Marvin Harrison on the other side. You had Peyton Manning throwing you the ball. Look at that old line. Come on, Reggie. No, nah, it's, it's, it's never. Um, it's never none of that. Um, even, even, even when we were playing and we played against each other, like, you know, we would always, you know, walk up to each other after the games and, kind of talk about little things that we may have seen during the game. Um, you know, it was never a uh, uh, any, you know, beef or, mm -hmm. you know, any, you know, hating on each other or anything like that. It was just – it was a respect thing. You know, I wanted to see him do well. He wanted to see me do well. Of course, we didn't want to see each other do well against our teams, but mm -hmm. – um, we just always kind of kept in touch. You know, Reggie's always been like a big brother to me. So, right. um, you know, we've always had that relationship. Andre, have you envisioned, A, what that call is going to be like when you get the call or you get the knock on your door that you're in? Second part of that question, who will it mean the most to of your friends, family, teammates, et cetera, that you do get the call outside of you? We know it matters mm -hmm. to you, and we hope it does. Yeah. But who will it matter to the most that's not named Andre Johnson? Probably my mom. I think it'll probably mean the most to her because, um, like, I always tell people, like, my mom, one of the best decisions my mom has ever made for me was sending me to Miami Senior High School. Mm. Um, 
she got me away from a lot of things that I, uh, friends and people that who didn't have, uh, I don't want to say my best interest, but they weren't, weren't into good things. Right. So, uh, you know, I think for her, um, it'll probably mean the most, um, for her, um, cause you know, I go in the Hall of Fame. She go in the Hall of Fame too. Yeah, so. absolutely. And yep. she still lives in Houston, right? Yeah, and comes to the games. And yeah, she's she hasn't missed a game since I retired. Um, she's she comes to all the games. Uh, you know, she's here. You know, when when we have home games on Sunday, she's watching the games when they're on the road. So um, she's still tuned into it. Outstanding season ticket member. That's excellent. All right, mm-hmm. so I have to ask you. What was the more difficult catch? All right, Arizona, we're going to leave that out because that was about yak, yards after the catch and knocking those guys over on your way to the end zone. But I'm going to name a couple here. So let's go Washington, 4th and 10, Miami, 4th and 10 in 08, Minnesota helicopter catch in the end zone, or Titans in 09 in Nashville, right side of the end zone when you had to sort of full sprint, tippy-toe, mm. and corral the ball. Mm. I named four. Which was the toughest one? Those are all great Andre Johnson moments. He loves this, by Wait, the way. Wait, did you say Washington 2010? <laughs> of course I oh, did. okay. I, was I just said sure. Washington 4th and 10. I was waiting for it. For oh, itself. you said 4th and 10. Okay. Yes. All right, I got you. The Washington, believe it or not, the Washington and uh, Minnesota ones were easy. Really? Minnesota, you were flung around and <laughs> yeah, on the I ball. like Andre's I definition think, of easy. <laughs> uh, the, the, the reason why I say those were easy were be, was because I was able to, uh, I was already planted um, with my both of my feet in the ground, and I, I just jumped up to catch the ball, you know, okay. against Washington and Minnesota. The only thing with Minnesota, I just was, when I was up in there, I was hit. Right. That's what made me flip. Um, but That's once I had my hands on the ball, I was, that I was I was fine with that. Um, Miami was tough. Miami, though. Miami, and the Tennessee one was tough. I will probably say, I would probably say the Miami catch. Mm. It's fourth down. You got to make that catch. Yeah, I would probably say the Miami catch because the Tennessee one, I was able to tip it, and the ball kind of stayed in front of me. Yeah. So my m- momentum took me to it. But the Miami one. I still, right now, to this day, don't know how I caught that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people that saw that reached, don't know how you caught it either. Yeah, reached over Jeremiah Bell. Do you ever run into him or any other DBs over the years and talk <laughs> about moments like that? No, I haven't um, ran into Jeremiah. Um, I've ran into Channing Crowder. Okay. So he was on that team. Um, actually scored two touchdowns on him on the same move, and he brought that up uh, when I was doing the uh, – he was on I Am Athlete then, but they're on Pivot now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I did the uh, I Am Athlete video uh, recording, mm-hmm. uh, he was he brought that up uh, while we were there. So we talked about that for a little bit. Because Jeremiah, it seemed like – it seemed like Jeremiah had the ball and you got it away from him. Yeah. I mean, like he had his hands on it first, or so it's. Yeah, I've watched, put, done this approved film on him. it, yeah. and you took it from him at that particular moment. Well, I think when um, I had, I know I had at least one of my hands on the ball, yeah. and when I went to reach with my uh, left hand, I think it was my right hand that was on the ball. When I reached in with my left hand, my momentum, like when I rolled over, is I just snatched it from. Yeah, him. so you definitely did that. As you watch ball now, Andre, 
I mean, I think about you coming into the league, 6'3", 225, big, strong, fast. Let's be honest. There just aren't many that are built like you. But as you watch the game now, is there somebody you watch and go, that was me? Is there anybody that you watch now that is like that in your mind? Uh, throughout the league. Not here, but just throughout the league. Yeah, A.J. Brown. Really? Mm. Yeah. A.J. Brown. Um, Jamal Chase, a little bit. Yeah. Brown is similarly built, right? Yeah. 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 He's not as tall as you, though. I mean, he's like 6'1", yeah. whereas you topped out at what, 6'3"? Yeah. I was 6'2". A.J. Brown is probably the best. Couple. I think at some point we've comped him to comped AJ Brown to you. Yeah. But I think that gives people for some younger people out there that maybe didn't see you play right. to go, hey, I've seen AJ Brown play. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I know what he was Except all about. Andre's better. So yes. Andre, a couple more quick ones for you. Some thoughts on the young Texans talent that we're seeing out there. Damian Pierce. I know he's not finishing the season injured, but Jalen Petrie, some of the other guys. Next year you get John Mechie back. Some thoughts on the young players for the Texans for the future. I like them. Um, I like them a lot. I think um, this class, this uh, rookie class will be the class that kind of, you know, gets this organization headed in the right direction. Um, a lot of talent. Uh, and I think this year for them to get the, uh, the playtime and the reps that they got to get, um, the way that the games went, so all of those things that, you know, you look at that happen this season, those are all learning lessons. Mm -hmm. So now you get to, uh, you know, they come in next year, they'll be way ahead, you know, of where they were when they first got here. Yeah, because you from year one to year two, big jump. What's yeah. the off season like for them? What was it like for you? And how can that relate possibly? Uh, I, for me, um, after I played my rookie year, it was probably like two months after the season. I was like, I'm ready to go back. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I was like, I'm. I was just like, I know I could dominate. You know, in this league. So um, that off season, man, I, I worked my ass off. Like I was just, I went. I, I never forget when we came back and we did our conditioning test. Um, Jabbar Gaffney looked at me and he was like. Bro, do you really realize how fast you was running? And I was just like, no, nah. I was just like, I'm just ready to go. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I think if they had that same approach, like, you know, they, you know, learn from what they did this offseason um, and just put the work in, man. They come back. And, it, and, and I think, too, like, you know, it's just a confidence thing. You know, I think, you know, if you look at the way those guys have played, you know, I think that when they come back, they'll have a lot more confidence than they had this year because, you know, as a rookie, you're just trying to figure it out right. and see how you fit in. And um, I think, you know, once they come back next year, they, they'll see, like, you know, I, I belong here. I, I can play here. All right, Andre, thanks a lot for joining us. Congratulations on being a finalist. We'll hope for the best. We'll catch up soon. All right, appreciate it. A.J. Brown, baby, that was the one. I mean, they're – I don't want to say – they're facsimiles of one another, and they're 100% analogous, but I used to think that about A.J. Brown. I used to think about Andre, and the fact that both that Andre acknowledged that I thought was really, really cool, and it was great to catch up with him. And it's time the man gets in. He didn't get in the first ballot, but when you look at the 15 of this group, and just in general, look, 
Hall of Famer is Hall of Famer, no matter when the vote is, whether it's first ballot, sixth ballot, whatever. Guy gets in, he gets in. Andre Johnson deserves to be in. Of the receivers, he's clear number one to me over Torrey Holt and Reggie Wayne. Fine receivers in their own right. I do not want to denigrate either one of them. But there's no way that you could put those two receivers ahead of Andre Johnson. Now, are all those guys going to get in the top ten? Uh, who's to say? But um, either way, Dre got to the top ten last year. If he gets to the top ten this year, those receivers on the list with him, he should be able to go in, and that will be a fun trip to Canton to play in the Hall of Fame game to then be there to celebrate Dre. I think that would be an incredible weekend. I mean, I, I, God, I can't even – I try to envision, envision it in my mind what that will be like to see Andre with that gold jacket on. And he deserves it, and hopefully it's going to happen here very, very soon. All right, we get back. Let's hear from Traymond Smith, cornerback, kick returner, punt returner. Traymond does a little bit of everything for this team. He sat down for a little deep slant. And how did the NFL – Look at this playoff situation. Did they do the right thing as much as they possibly could? We'll talk about that next, too, right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to this Friday edition of Texans All Access. I'm John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. And we'll get to Traymond Smith in just a second. But the NFL owners approved a resolution on Friday morning. That's this morning. They had a special league meeting given the situation that happened on Monday night with DeMar Hamlin. And by the way, DeMar Hamlin spoke to his team, spoke to his team, the Buffalo Bills on Friday. The uh, the tube, the breathing tube came out. He has, I mean, this is just a, a miracle, man. I, I just can't even begin to, you know, my my joy and how much I feel for Demar and seeing him each and every day get better and better and better and know that okay, neurologically, I think he's going to be okay. You know, he was communicating. He asked about who won the game, and the doctors told him, you won the game. You won life, um, which is very poignant. Um, just incredible stuff going on with DeMar Hamlin. And furthermore, my thoughts go out to my buddy Sal and the Buffalo Bills as well. Um, the radio team, play-by-play man, John Murphy, long-time play-by-play man for the Bills, had a stroke this weekend, so – my goodness, this has been one thing after another for Buffalo. But because of that situation, the NFL decided not to continue the Bills-Bengals game. So here's what the owners came up with. The AFC Championship game will be played at a neutral site. If Buffalo and Kansas City both win or tie in Week 18, both teams advance the AFC title game. Buffalo and Kansas City both lose, and Cincinnati also loses or ties in Week 18. Buffalo and Kansas City advance the AFC title game. Buffalo and Kansas City both lose, plus Cincinnati wins, and the AFC title game is either Bills-Chiefs or Bengals-Chiefs. So there's essentially what you need to know. Bills-Chiefs, Bengals-Chiefs, and the AFC championship game is going to be played at a neutral site. If the Ravens defeat Cincinnati in Week 18, and the Chargers beat the Denver Broncos, and if Baltimore and Cincinnati are scheduled to play a wildcard game against one another, the site for that game will be determined by a coin toss. But if Cincinnati wins the Week 18 game or if Baltimore and Cincinnati are not scheduled to play one another wild card round, game sites will be determined by the regular scheduling procedures. So it, that's kind of how they're going about it. So the Ravens posted the graphic and said they win, playing the Bengals. Chargers win. Coin flip, they could be playing a home game, actually, which is kind of crazy to think about. So that's how the NFL has chosen to go about the AFC playoffs. It's not the most equitable solution at all, at all. I mean, the Bengals, in some sense, just 
They won the AFC North. But if they don't win this weekend against the Baltimore Ravens, there's a great possibility they could go on the road in the wild card round. Maybe not even Baltimore and play at a neutral site. I mean, it's, uh, it's crazy. Um, but the AFC Championship game being at a neutral site, if it's Buffalo, Chiefs, Bengals, Bengals-Bills, no, they wouldn't because they have the same number of games. That would be in Buffalo. Um, it's where teams have Buffalo. If Buffalo's involved with one other team or the Bengals are involved with one other team that's not Buffalo, then those games would be a neutral site. Sounds like Indianapolis would make the most sense, kind of given the situation. But a lot's got to play out, and we'll see what happens in Week 18. But a really difficult solution. They came up with a solution for. Now, again, does it make everybody happy? Eh, hard to say. But that's what the NFL came up with. Um, and, of course, all of that pales in comparison to the fact that DeMar Hamlin is making the progress that he has. And here's hoping that our buddy John Murphy makes that same progress, the radio uh, play-by-play voice for the Buffalo Bills. All right, let's get to Traymond Smith. As he did a little deep slant interview of the week, and I know DP asked, uh, Traymond, playing the same position, defensive back as DeMar Hamlin, obviously there's that connection. Asked him about that and many other things right about here. DP, take it away. It's a Deep Slant 101 presented by Xfinity. My guest this week, Traymond Smith. Traymond, obviously not a typical game week like you guys have normally had. So what has this week been like for you personally, just as you sort of process the news with everything that happened with Um, um, It just, it's it's hard, you know, it's just real tough. And I just, I look for updates every second, like just to make sure he's doing okay. And it's just still prayers, prayers and thoughts go to him and his family. But I just seen some good news from him. So that's. Well, this is good news. It's always good. Sure. That's so encouraging when we do get those little bits of news. Right. Were you watching the game when it happened? Did you see it live? I had just came back from the store, so I just missed it. But, okay. And I watched the play over, and it would make me sick to my stomach because it was just so routine. Like, it was such a routine tackle, routine play it looked like. And that's how scary it can get, like, just a blink of an eye. I know Lovey had talked about You guys did not, did not practice then. You did, had a day yeah. off. But... Everyone got together and shared their stories about playing with DeMar Hamlin. Several of your teammates had played with him at the collegiate level, right. high school, and even in the pros. What was that like? Did that sort of help <clears throat> sort of move the process along a little bit? Yeah, and it's, it still was saddening just to see them go, knowing they really going through it. I knew of him, but I just I didn't know him. Like, I didn't play with him or anything. I just knew of him, but we got a couple of mutual friends. But, yeah, just to see what they was going through, and I, I can't imagine the feeling they felt when they did see that on national TV. So it's, it's sickening. Uh, obviously, you got one more game left to play. So now how do you turn the page and get ready for Indianapolis? It seems like the routine sort of come back a little bit for you players around the building as we've gotten news of DeMar Hamlin getting a little bit better. But what is that like for you as you prepare for this final game? We still just got to play it like <clears throat> like before that, that freak accident happened. You know, you, you, if, you get the, if you go out there and you think too hard, I feel like that's when bad things go wrong. So just to, we just got to just do, know what we're doing and – just go out there and still play fast and physical. All right, so it's your second season with the Texans. You're sort of wrapping that up. You're five in the league. When you look back at your season, you had to step in on defense. Mm-hmm. You've obviously done a lot of things on special teams. But is there any particular play or plays that really stand out to you? Uh, my first, I got my first interception this year. First and second, a, right? First and second, yeah, same <laughs> game. That's the way to do it. But I don't know. Those two, that Dallas game was definitely it. And then playing against the Chiefs. Oh, your former uh, team. Yeah, my former team that drafted me, seeing uh, Andy Reid and Dave Tobe. It was it was good. And actually, them seeing me start that game and play good against them. So, that was fun to watch, too. So, and this uh, this whole season was fun. You know, it wasn't the way we wanted to go, but we just got a lot of stuff to build on, though. 
You you may also made a lot of sp plays on special teams mm -hmm. at at Tennessee. Right. You got the uh, special well, teams game ball exactly. from Lovey just for <clears throat> what you were able to do downing the punt at the four on that final drive for the Titans. It seems like you have downed a lot of punts know, yeah. uh, inside the five. What, how I mean, how do you even practice a skill like that? Do you feel like you've sort of made that next step on special teams yes, this year? Yes, for sure. And that, that's um, downing the ball in the five, that's really ball skills. And, you know, we got a great punter in Cameron Johnston. He places the ball. He couldn't put it any better. So it's just the fact of me just running down there and just locating the ball and saving it before it goes in the end zone. I know that I talked to Frank Ross about mm -hmm. you, and he said you and, and Cameron Johnston are sort of like, he's your John Stockton, yeah. or you're his John Stockton, right. I should say, and that you've really donated, uh, helped donate a lot of money to his charity with oh, yeah. punts downs inside oh, yeah. the five. Oh, yeah. So how about the two of you together? Just, I mean, obviously, he's a great punter in his own right, right. named to a, a Pro Bowl alternate. Right. Uh, working with him, what's that been like just it's, for you? It's been real easy. He makes my job easier, and we kind of compliment each other. You know, the faster I get down there, I'm like, Listen, kick it as far as you want to. I'm going to go get it. Like, these guys can't block me. And he'll just be like, okay, yeah, I seen you out there singled up. Like, I knew I could let this one ride. So we just, the way we compliment each other is very nice. And so all the donations he getting from Miss Charity <laughs> by me, I'll be looking for it back. <laughs> no, it's but. like courtesy, a courtesy of Trayvon's <laughs> right. punt downing skills. Frank also said, Frank Ross said that you were the best all-around athlete on the football team. I asked him about you. He said he was going to get a lot of flack for it. He said yeah. he did get a lot of flack for it. Yeah. Uh, he said you're a baseball player, Hooper, can catch, can throw, can run, that you have an athleticism where it's really you've been able to take advantage of it. So your thoughts on that. Also, I think Tavier Thomas, um, Tavier Thomas he had mix. some issue with that. But uh, is in the mix, you know, because <laughs> we, we go play other sports in the offseason. Like we'll go, you do. We'll link up and play basketball here and there. So I'm the best one, too. So it's just like they know. <laughs> they really know deep deep down inside. Deep down, know, it's you. Yeah, so it's me. All right. You, you mentioned the offseason. It's coming up here in a bit. What is the next month going to look like for you? Will you take time away? Will you go take a trip, you know, how do you sort of manage that time before you get your body ready to sort take of get back a, into it? The main thing is just to relax, kick my feet up. It's probably going to be like a week. I just don't move from the couch. I door dash all my food. That like sounds kind of nice. Yeah, literally sit down and do nothing. <laughs> so, but and after that, after I, my body get heals up, heal up and everything, I'm going to, I want to go out the country a couple of times. A couple of times. Couple okay. Times, just spending like a week or two out there and just, just to get away, you know, just clear my head, get ready for the next season. Where do you think you might go? That's a great question. Oh, and it's not decided. No. Maldives, maybe. Am I Maldives, yeah, Maldives, I've yeah. been there. I heard of that. It's uh, very far. I want to go to Dominican Republic. Okay, that's not as far. That's not as far. Uh huh. Yeah, I heard Maldives is like what twenty four hours. It's a twenty four hour flight. Yeah, yeah I got to wait. You can go London straight, and uh, it's a twelve hour time difference. So it's like day is night, uh, night is day. Yeah, that might be too far. Gorgeous. I might have to hold. You got time. You got yeah, a couple got off time. season to yeah, think about right. it. All right, Traymond, best of luck for this final game of the season, and uh, we'll talk soon. Yes, ma'am. Thanks for having me. Last deep slant of the 2022 season goes to returner extraordinaire Traymond Smith. I think my math is right. He's second on the team interceptions. How about that? He's got two. Uh, Jalen Petrie's got five, and let's see. I'm trying to think who else. I know Derek Stingley's got one, and Christian Harris has got one. I know they're probably Kirko's got Christian Kirksey's got one. Well, I think that's it as far as I can tell. So yeah, second on the team with his two interceptions against Dallas, Trey Mon Smith. All right, we got one game left, week 18 against the Colts. Let's give our keys to the game next in our final segment of hour one right here on Texas All Access. All right, let's rock. It's Friday night. We got less than 48 hours from the Texans finale, which was the same as the opener 
That's Indianapolis Colts. I don't know if I can remember that. Week one, week 18. These teams have changed uh, pretty significantly. There's no question about that. So let's dive in with my, I'm John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. Keys to the game in this one. But we first got to start with A, my music. So let's get my music going. All right, that gets me hyped. And let's talk about this injury report before we get into the keys. Texas will be without two players. It's like the Colts. Philip Dorsett dealing with hamstring. He is out. He did not participate. In fact, that was um, – he wasn't on the injury report on Wednesday. On Thursday, he was put on a limited participation basis. And then today was DMP all the way to out. Philip unfortunately, will miss against his former team in this finale. Jimmy Morrissey also dealing with a concussion. And uh, I know Jimmy's a great friend of DeMar Hamlin. I know he would have wanted to get on the field and uh, play in honor of his pal. But he's going to be out with that concussion he suffered uh, against the Jacksonville Actually, it was against uh, uh, who did we play before? Jackson, Tennessee. It happened in Tennessee. So, uh, hopefully, Jimmy's going to be okay. Now, Steven Nelson was ill, did not participate in practice day, so he's questionable. Obo is also questionable, uh, being sick. He was a DNP on Wednesday, or Thursday, sorry. Then he was a limited participant on Friday, so he's moving in the right direction. So, hopefully, he's going to be okay by Sunday. And OJ Howard had. Has a little hit, bit of a hip issue. He's questionable as well, but he's a full participant today. For the Colts, Nick Foles out. I guess that makes Matt Ryan the backup. Kylan Granson also out the tight end. Stephon Gilmore did not participate in practice all week long, dealing with a wrist issue. Um, he is listed as questionable, so we'll see if he plays. And we've seen throughout the year DMPs on Friday. Well, DMPs for three days. It's probably about an 80-20 split. We've seen Jeffrey Simmons play. We've seen a lot of others not. So we'll see what happens with Stephon Gilmore. Brandon Faison will also be questionable, uh, but everybody else back for the Colts. So that is the injury report. Um, Dorsett, Morrissey out. Nelson, Okoronkwo, Howard questionable. Nick Foles, Kylan Granson out. Stephon Gilmore and Brandon Faison questionable for the Colts. All right, let's get to the keys in this one. Final game, offense against the Colts' defense. It's a defense that 17 weeks ago, I thought the Texans' offensive line did a pretty decent job against them, to be honest. I thought they held their own with, with Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner, mainly Buckner. Buckner didn't do a whole heck of a lot in that first game. And that, to me, was one of the stories, and that's why the Texans were able to get that 20-3 lead. Grover Stewart, though, was a different, a different uh, issue uh, altogether. Grover Stewart was a major problem in the middle. Now, DeForest Buckner has had some incredible games against the Texans, but they got to find a way to block those two. That is one of the three keys. DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart cannot wreck shop in this game. It's that simple. Second key, this Colts defense has had issue with injury. They didn't have Shaquille Leonard all year long except for like three games. I think it was like two and a half. I think one of those games he ended up not playing. They, have, they will not have Kenny Moore. He went on IR a week or two ago. And Yannick Ngakwe went on IR. Taekwon Lewis also went on IR. Those are That's three starters and then one rotational player on the defensive line. They have been shredded. But not having Shaquille Leonard has made a major impact. Without him, this defense, I don't say it's a shell of itself, but they were 23rd in the NFL, giving 128 yards per game on the ground. I think last year was like 107. 
passing yards. They're 11th in the league, 204. But teams would run the ball on them, so that's really why teams have them throwing it. They're 16th in the league. They generate 18 turnovers. The biggest issue is they're minus 13 in turnover margin, which I'll do the math for you. That's 31 turnovers on offense. We'll get to them in a little bit. But the defense is sort of, sort of a shell of itself at this point. But if you block Stewart and Buckner, given what else is left on the defense, you got a great shot. Now, there's no Leonard, but there is a Bobby Okereke. And this guy has taken his game to a different level. Last week against the Giants, 17 tackles, one forced fumble. When Leonard does come back, that's going to be a formidable duel. Because Okereke has shown, yeah, man, I, I can play. I can play at that particular level. And having to be that guy, the communication piece, wearing the green dot. Now he's got the confidence, and now he's got and shown that he can play at that high level. Now you put him next to Leonard, 2023. Hey, man, you got something. So you got Stewart, and you got Buckner, and you got those two linebackers. That's going to be tough going forward, but they don't have Leonard. They just have Okereke, and that's going to be a big one. The Texans got to find a way to get a hat on him. The Texans all year have not done a really good job of getting up to linebacker level in the run game. Just haven't. And a lot of that is they can't control the guys with their hands down, and so that makes them double-team. Then they can't get up to the linebacker, or they're getting up to the linebacker late because they're staying at double-team too long. So either way, Okereke presents a problem because if he's not blocked, he can't fly, and he will run to the football unabated, and that's going to be an issue. All right, let's flip it over to this Colts offense against the Texans defense. This offense, I can't even. Last year, they averaged about 150. 50, I think, yards per game on the ground. About 150. They should have averaged 104. They've gone from one of the top three offensive running games in the league to one of the nine worst. That's incredible. That's incredible. They're also 23rd in the league in passing yards, 202 yards per game. They're 30th in the NFL in total offense. They've lost 31 turnovers. I mean, 31 in 15 games. They're averaging two turnovers lost a game to be minus 13. I mean, it's incredible. And believe it or not, the Colts have played some close games. I mean, some really close games. I mean, obviously, it tied us. We beat the Chiefs by three, lost the Titans by seven, and lost the Broncos, or they beat the Broncos by nine. They lost the Titans by nine, lost the Commanders by one, they lost the Eagles by one, they lost the Steelers by seven, they lost the Vikings by three. And then the bottom dropped out in week 16 and 17 against the Chargers and Giants. But take away. I don't know, five turnovers in those games. How do those games change? And you add three or four wins, now they're in the mix. Now they're sitting eight and nine. Now they're playing for something as opposed to playing for nothing on Sunday against the Texans. So this Colts offense, what do they got? Well, wham, bam, Sam, I am. Yeah, Sam Ellinger will start. Former University of Texas star quarterback will start at quarterback. Nick Foles is out. It's just seventh injury report. And I don't think going back to Matt Ryan anytime soon. So Sam Ellinger is going to do whatever he can over those 60 minutes. It's an audition for him. Maybe not with the Colts, but it's an audition throughout the league. Because I don't think the Colts are going to go into 2023 going, Sam Ellinger is our guy, no matter what he does. He can throw for 900 yards on Sunday. I don't think they're going to think he's the guy. He's had two starts this year. He had one against the Commanders at home where he was he's good. Great. He's good. Next week against the Patriots, he was dreadful. Patriots were 0-4. I'm sorry, the Colts were 0-14 on third down in that game. 0-14. And that was the game that eventually ended the career of Frank Reich with the Indianapolis Colts. Now, he can't throw it to Michael Pittman Jr. He's got Alec Pierce. But what Sam Ellinger does best is run. And he runs well, and he runs a lot. 
when he gets out of the pocket, it can be a major, major problem. So Texas has got to find a way to corral him and keep him in the pocket, make him throw it from the well, and I don't think he can beat him. But that's what you got to do. Take away his sight lanes from the pocket and don't let him out of it. There is no Jonathan Taylor this week. Not a Jonathan Taylor Thomas from Home Improvement. Jonathan Taylor, star running back for the Indianapolis Colts. Now the Texans, over five games, 2020, 2020, yeah, five games, have not found a way to stop Jonathan Taylor. They've not. He had 160 yards rushing. Now, it felt like he didn't do a ton in the first game. But he had 160 yards rushing and really was the one that kind of got him back in it. He won't play. He is injured. He's been on IR. They're going to save him until 2023, which is kind of wise. But in five games against the Texans, he dominated them every time, and it was so frustrating. Well, now it's Zach Moss. Now, Zach Moss runs hard, but he is not Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is a home run hitter every single time. Now, not as much behind this offensive line. He only ran for two. He had 200-yard games this year in, like, 13 games. He had seven in 2021. I mean, it, that's, that's enormous. That's an enormous change. But that's what the Colts have been without without Jonathan Taylor. The Texans with Zach Moss, he's going to break some tackles, and that does worry me because the Texas tackling can be. <laughs> but when the tackling's on, they could shut down a back like Zach Moss. They showed they could shut down Derrick Henry. They got to prove that they could stop Jonathan Taylor too at some point. And finally, this key emerging finally. That's my final key, and that is Paris Campbell. Frank Reich loved Paris Campbell. He's got 4-3-1 speed. He is a jet. But in the first three years, he had 34 receptions combined. Injuries, couldn't get on the field. This year he's got 57 receptions. Now he's not hitting the deep ball as much, but that worries me because last week he had a 49-yard catch, and that's what can really open things up for Sam Ellinger. He's throwing the ball, getting it to Paris Campbell, letting him catch short, run deep, or run deep, throw it long, and that's the way that he can hurt the Texans at that point. And hopefully they'll be able to follow those keys and go get a win in the final weekend of the season. All right, we got one hour down, one hour left to go. We get back. We'll talk to Lara Overton. DP caught up with her, and we'll go behind enemy sidelines next on Texans All Access. We got one hour down, one hour left to go right here on a Friday edition, our last in-season All Access episode. We will have, we'll be back on Sports Radio 610 after the Super Bowl. And our Friday shows will be one hour at that point. But Wednesday, Friday, the two-hour shows, unfortunately. When the season's over, we go back to one hour after the Super Bowl. But we'll have podcasts at HoustonTexas.com. You can check out my stuff at FootballTakeover.com. So I'll have all the draft stuff you could possibly, possibly want uh, there at both sites throughout the draft season. And that is going to be fun. All right, it's time for the SLB Stats Challenge. Go to HoustonTexas.com to take the Stats Challenge. And the number today is 939. No, that's not an area code. Although it could be. I think it is. It might be. But that's not what I'm talking about. 939, number of rushing yards that Damian Pierce has. Going into Week 18, he's the leading rookie rusher in the league. However... That's going to change more than likely because Kenneth Walker the third has 936. So four yards for Kenneth Walker on Sunday and against the Rams. And Kenneth Walker will be the leading rusher for a rookie in 2023. You also got Tyler Algier. He has 900 yards. So 40 yards puts him ahead of Damian Pierce. So Damian could end up third, but 
he will have played 13 games versus the other guys playing full seasons. I think Ken Walker may have missed a game or two to start the year, if I remember correctly. But those guys have played definitely more games. So yards per game as a rookie, Damian Pierce is going to lead the class, which as a fourth rounder, uh, that's pretty salty. But we've missed him since he went out. He hurt that ankle, and I'll never forget seeing him jam that ankle on the field trying to get it back where he wanted it to in a Dallas game, but he just didn't come back in a game. Could have used him down on the goal line for that touchdown to beat Dallas, but didn't happen, uh, and hopefully he'll come back in 2023 ready to roll after a really solid first season. Some incredible, memorable moments in that season. Monday night, when we have two hours with no Monday night football, I'm going to play the ultimate 11 plays of the year, and Damian figures heavily in that particular group of plays. And you know a play number well. I don't know. Maybe you don't know what play number one is. Let's just say Damien's got play one and two. Um, I'll leave it at that. And so we will have that uh, later. But 939 for Damien through 13 games. And there were a couple games right in the middle. I think it was Commanders and Titans. He had like 15 yards combined in those games. Just didn't block anybody. It didn't help him in any way, shape, or form. So he'll come back in 2023. We'll see how the offense line changes, how the offense changes. But I got a feeling that Damian Pierce is going to be a big part of what happens in the 2023 season. That is the SLB Stats Challenge brought to you by our friends at SLB. Now, it's time to go behind enemy sidelines with DP Sidhu. Each week, DP sits down with a reporter, analyst from the other side. And this week, it's her good friend, Lara Overton, who is also a silent reporter for the Colts. And well, they talked about this matchup for Week 18. We're going behind enemy sidelines with my good friend, Lara Overton, team reporter for the Indianapolis Colts. Lara, here we are. Week one ended in a tie, and the Texans and Colts are going to start their season together. They're going to end the season together. A pretty forgettable season for both teams, but when you sort of look back at the season the Colts have had, at what point did you think this is not going to end the way that we had expectations for it? How wild is it that you're bookending the season this way with Colts and Texans in Houston week one and then Colts and Texans in the fashion that no one could have expected, I think, on either side of this for the season finale. I think that really it goes back to that New England game for the Colts when you started Sam Ellinger for a second straight week. They had fired Marcus Brady and you saw they weren't able to convert on third down. You saw Sam got sacked, I believe, nine times. And you're talking about a pretty mobile quarterback. You couldn't get the run game going. Jonathan Taylor was battling through injuries as well as this defense has played. That's been, you know, unfortunately an overshadowed bright spot. This defense has been great over the course of the season, but hasn't gotten the recognition it deserves because the results of these games and the record itself has been so poor. Um, I think that point where you saw that was a low, I think, on, on the season. And then that's, of course, what ignited the change at head coach, the firing of Frank Reich, Jeff Saturday coming in, multiple changes now at quarterback. And since then, things have seemingly spiraled where you have seen guys go on IR, Shaq Leonard lost for the season, Jonathan Taylor Yannick Ngakwe, Isaiah Rogers. I'm just thinking about the number of different situations where you have lost really valuable guys due to injury and a number of different situations for this team. So I would pinpoint, though, I think the New England game, that game in Foxborough for the Colts was where you started to see that it had gotten to a point that was not going to be resurrected. 
All right. Well, let's talk about Jeff Saturday, because obviously everybody was talking about the news when he came in and he led the Colts to a win against the Raiders. And unfortunately, since then, it's been six straight losses. So obviously it's a tough situation for Jeff Saturday to step into. But how do you assess what he's done with the team and with the locker room with what he's had to take over in just stepping into that role as interim head coach? Jeff brings a a grittiness, a hunger, a heart, a fire. He does bring that into a locker room. And everyone who watches him and has watched him, whether that's as a player, uh, you know, a ring of honor player that he was for the Colts or as an analyst on ESPN, Jeff's exactly the same guy. He's completely genuine and authentic and all of those things that you, you see when you watch him on TV or watch him play or you watch his press conferences or whatever, that's exactly who he is in the building. So there's an authenticity certainly about him where this isn't that Jeff switches gears into coach mode. Jeff is Jeff and he looks at, okay, these are the things that we did when I was part of a winning culture here with the Indianapolis Colts. And here are the things that I've been able to observe about other organizations being that I think he brings an interesting perspective because he's had to look at all 32 teams and the hundreds of players within this league, the coaches, the GMs, and assess what is working in the current state of the NFL. You look at a situation, he had high praise before that game in New York against the Giants about the mental toughness that Brian Dable has brought to the Giants in his short tenure there and how he's been able to implement something there. And I think that it's interesting that Jeff brings a bit of a different perspective from the outside looking in to what is working other places and what needs to be changed here. One thing for Jeff is that he was so honest coming in and said, hey, if, if this doesn't work out at the end of it and I am no good, I will say, God bless you. You know, like I will move on and do something different. And Jeff has that self-awareness to say, I may not be part of the solution, you know, but I do think that he said when he was asked on Monday about, I'm going to paraphrase a bit, he was asked in his normal Zoom call on Monday along the lines of, was there more to this than you could have expected in terms of taking on a team at this point in the season in the season with the situation you were dealt? He said, no, I was fully aware of what I was walking into. What I think people have to be aware of is it's not an indictment of how good Jeff is as a leader or a coach, because it's obvious now that the issues with this team go well beyond what one man can do in an eight game stretch. No matter how many years you have in coaching, what your record is, it is just beyond the abilities of one person to correct when you have the highest paid offensive line, giving up the number of sacks and allowing the number of turnovers that you have so far this season, a run game that had the rushing champion from last year that could not get itself established and going and Jonathan battling through the number of injuries with the high ankle sprains and things that he has dealt with so far this season, your know, lack of production with the offense inconsistency with your quarterback play. So I do think that Jeff has been very honest that this wasn't anything that he felt he was ill-equipped to handle. He was ready to step in and knew all that this entailed and it will be very interesting when we're talking seven days from now what transpires moving forward what the Colts will do long term at their head coach position.
Yeah, you mentioned all the changes. Yet another one at the quarterback. I saw that Jeff Saturday announced on Monday that Sam Ellinger is going to get the start here in the season finale. Nick Foles injured his ribs. When you look at what Ellinger has been able to do, obviously he started some games earlier than he was benched. Have you seen progress from him? I know that even Levy Smith has talked about sort of the mobility that he brings. You mentioned it as well. But what sort of progress have you seen from him just in his short time where he's uh, been the starter? Hey, I think Texans fans are pretty aware of what he was able to do in four years at the University of Texas. The Longhorns for sure, yes. Right? Like, and he walks out of, you know, Westlake High School that has also, you know, also produced Nick Foles and Drew Brees. Like, you know, the lineage of what this kid can do playing quarterback is well established. It's obviously very different when you translate that skill set to the NFL from the system he was playing with UT. But Sam is from the moment he walked into this building, even as a rookie, Sam is a a leader. He has a, a toughness. He has an ability to extend and make plays with his feet that you don't have with Matt Ryan or with Nick Foles. He does inject something different into this offense. And I also think that all of those within this locker room have an immense respect for Sam Ellinger because of all of the things that he has endured both in his personal life and in his career as a football player when he goes from being the second guy to the starter to inactive now now backup now the starter then also you think about losing his father at a young age you losing his brother he was drafted last year his first day in the building finds out He's lost his brother tragically. So he has been the man of the house, led his family, been there for his mom and his sister through the tragedy that they have endured. He got married this past off season. He is someone who I have just always thought guys fight really hard for, for whatever that counts for, you know, whatever that means. I think that it does. There is something that Sam is able to bring. He has a bit of, and and there can be a negative connotation with this word, but Sam has a bit of swagger about him that every time he steps on the field, he brings. And you feel like that guys hold themselves a little bit. They stand a little bit taller. They go out there. When you see a guy scrambling around on the field, running like he does, you do feel like that guys feel like they have to step up a little bit. And I feel like that when there have been, I think that's what you saw a bit in the Raiders game too, where it was Jeff stepping in, Frank is gone. We're going back to Matt Ryan. It seemed like that these changes forced the guys to rally a bit. And you wonder if this change now by necessity, because of the injury to Nick Foles, if that will have a similar effect going into this game against Houston. And, you know, Sam has a lot to prove. He he wants to put good tape out there because no one knows what's going to transpire in this offseason. And I do think that Sam can be part of the future of this offense and, you know, part of that quarterback room in some capacity moving forward. And it would do a lot for him, of course. And then also there are a lot of guys on contract years who have a lot to play for that are trying to put good stuff on tape. When you think about the year that Paris Campbell has had, that has been unfortunately, you know, overshadowed by a lack of production within this offense, but there have been so many critics who have said he can't stay healthy. You know, he's made of glass, hasn't played a full season, man. He's been incredibly productive. Look at the catch that he made a 49 yard catch. Excuse me. And that was the longest completed passed by the Colts all season long. He's a very valuable asset within an offense. So 
you do hope that you get something um, you, that, that does provide a spark. And another thing noting with Sam's prior two starts this season, one at home against Washington, and then on the road against the Patriots, the Colts have changed up their offensive line since that time period. If you remember, if you go back to the game against New England, they were rotating guys around the offensive line. They were moving Matt Pryor into a couple different positions until they finally settled upon having Bernard Ryman and Will Fries in that rotation. And that group has played together ever since. So I think that'll be a great benefit too to Sam to have that unit that has, you know, found some continuity in the time since Sam had his last start against New England. I'm sure it'll benefit the run game too, which has also seen a lot of changes. Obviously, no Jonathan Taylor. He's on IR. And then Naheem Hines traded since the last time these two teams met. So how have they been able to replace the loss of their star running back and a, a really good backup here now with Deion Jackson and Zach Moss? Is it a running back by committee approach? Is it go with the hot hand? How have the Colts approached their run game? There is no replacing Jonathan Taylor. He is just that special, right? So it has had to be by committee and it has been a rotation of backs pretty healthy rotation really Zach Moss who was part of that Naheem Hines trade with Buffalo has carried the bulk of the workload and he is a powerful downhill runner you will look if you look at the tape especially from the games at Minnesota and then the so from the Vikings game the Chargers game and then the Giants game are situations in which you watch Zach Moss and he is carrying two, three, sometimes even four tacklers with him. He is a beast with the ball. So he brings a physicality to that run game. And that's something that JT does as well. I mean, JT has speed, but he also has that power about him where he takes a lot of pride in running that way. Deion Jackson's second year running back out of Duke very valuable asset. He's really good as a pass catching back as well. And you saw that was the versatility of Naheem Hines, where you would utilize him not only in the run game, but also in the passing game. So you see them incorporate Deion Jackson in that way. And then I have loved the addition of Jordan Wilkins. He was a guy who was part of the Colts running back room for years. He was drafted by the Colts out of Ole Miss and then unfortunately was part of the, the roster cuts. And so he was not in the building for the first part of the season when everything happened with Jonathan Taylor. They were able to bring back Jordan onto the practice squad. He's been active for the last few games. And he's a very savvy veteran back that you will see them bring in in a multitude of different situations. I looked at a couple of occasions they were playing with, you know, two running backs on the field against New York. So I think you could see that as well, not just for the run game and pass catching options, but also just for some additional help blocking up front for Sam Ellinger because of what he is able to do with his legs. All right. Well, in a season like this one, there's so many young players that are at least bright spots for teams like the Colts and the Texans. Who are some of the young players that have really stood out to you this year and you really look forward to seeing back in 2023? Oh my gosh. Well, one of them that I hope is back in 2023 has been Chase McLaughlin because he has brought a consistency to the kicking game and consistency on special teams that the Colts have lacked since Adam Vinatieri retired. So I do think that he has been one who I have been really impressed by. And then looking at the offense, Alec Pierce and Jelani Woods are going to be big weapons and big playmakers moving forward for this Colts offense. Two very well-invested 
draft picks. Both guys have been huge in critical late game situations. I think we learned a lot about those guys each early on in the season when Jelani was part of the victory over Kansas City. And then it was Alec who had the game winning touchdown against Jacksonville. You saw their ability and how they could be utilized. And you could see that the stage was not too big for them. And then looking to the defensive side of the ball, been incredibly impressed with Rodney Thomas II, a rookie out of Yale, a seventh round draft pick who has stepped in to start at safety when all of the talk preseason and early season was about Nick Cross out of Maryland. And Nick has been valuable in a number of different, different situations, particularly on special teams. And he will evolve into a big piece of this defense moving forward. But I just have been incredibly impressed with the, the shoes that Rodney Thomas has stepped into. I mean, early on, he was making plays on Patrick Mahomes, and he had games in which he had back-to-back -back interceptions. He picked off, you know, Kirk Cousins and then picked off uh, Justin Herbert in consecutive games. So those have been a few of the young guys who I have really been impressed by, and I'm excited about their futures with this organization moving forward as we start to look ahead to 2023 and through the offseason and building ahead to next year. While there's a lot of uncertainty within the organization, those are some young guys that I do think will be pivotal pieces and pillars for this organization to have promise. All right, good stuff. Lara Overton, team reporter for the Indianapolis Colts. Lara, always appreciate the time. Always appreciate you too. Looking forward to seeing you on Sunday. Great stuff there from Lara and also our good friend, DP. Sidhu DP did a great job with Tremont. She's done a great job with these interviews all year long. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate the work that she has done. Uh, she and Drew give me these interviews every single week, and I'm able to play them. And they're, they're tremendous. They give you a lot of information about our players, about the opposing teams. I mean, really, really good stuff from DP Sidhu and, of course, Drew Doherty and our good friend Lara Overton of the Colts. All right, we get back. Week 18 is going to be an interesting one. You know I make my picks every single week. I'm going to try and lay out as much as I possibly can who we want to win as it pertains to draft picks and all that kind of stuff. So I'll give you my predictions and then try and pick out who we want to win because that's important in Week 18. So you got to be scoreboard watching for a number of reasons, and we'll do that next right here at Texans All Access. Oh, yeah, it's my favorite segment of the week. I'm John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. Time to make my pick straight up and against the spread, and I will do that. Plus, I will try and give you who we want to win as it pertains to draft order. That may not jive with who I think will win, but you need to know it all, so you need to know how we're scoreboard watching on Sunday. Got it? Good. Let's go. Give me my music, and let's rock. It starts at 3.30 on Saturday, Chiefs and Raiders. Now, the Chiefs with a win will be the number one seed in the AFC. Now, I explained earlier that that doesn't mean they will get the AFC championship game at their building. If they end up playing the Bills or the Bengals, then that's going to be at a neutral site. Either way, the Chiefs are taking on the Raiders. We need for the Chiefs to win this. The Raiders at 6-10, a loss drops them. Uh, actually, I checked that. I said that wrong. We need the Raiders to win. We'd like the Raiders to get to 7-10. That will bring the Raiders to 7-10. And, and if we get a loss from the Browns, they're both 7-10. Now, I don't know what the tiebreaker will be, but it at least puts the Raiders in that mix. So we need the Raiders to win. Raiders win. You're cheering for Jarrett Stidham. Let's go, Jarrett. Let's go, Jarrett. So Jarrett Stidham's got to pull it out in Las Vegas. 
But that's what we need to happen because we need Las Vegas to get in that mix. Maybe if they move down, Cleveland loses. Maybe Cleveland moves up. So right now, Vegas is at 8th. The Browns are at 12. And there's one game difference, 6 and 10 and 7 and 9. So we need that. So we'll get to Cleveland in a second, but we need that to happen. Titans-Jags. It would be better if Tennessee won this game because Tennessee would then go to 8-9. and nine. They are one spot ahead of Cleveland. So Tennessee would move down with a win. They would move down to probably they win. They get in the playoff route. So they would be 19, 20, 21, somewhere in there. Jacksonville then move up. But at 8-9, both of them being 8-9, they would hopefully, with a Cleveland loss, stay uh, behind Cleveland, and that's what we need. Now, Jacksonville's a six-and-a-half-point favorite, so it sounds like some money's been going towards the Titans because that number was seven to start the week. So I'm going to pick, unfortunately, the Jaguars. We want Titans, but I'm picking Jaguars, and I'm picking Jaguars to cover as well. All right, Bucks and Falcons. Taking on the Falcons, the Bucks are a – they're already they've already got the four-seed clinched. That, therefore, Atlanta's a minus four-point favorite. Desmond Ritter gets the start again. Games in Atlanta. We need the Falcons to win. Again, the Falcons sit right now at seventh at six and ten, just like Las Vegas. A win moves them down in the range of Cleveland. And that, we need Cleveland to win. So if we get a Falcons win, that helps out enormously. Now, Will it happen? I'm going to go with it because I think the Bucs are going to rest a lot of guys because there's nothing they can do. They need a bye week. Brady probably won't play. So I'm going to give the Falcons a win and a cover over that minus four. Patriots and Bills. We'd like for the Bills to win. Let's just be honest. The Bills are a seven-point favorite at home. The Bills cannot be the number one seed unless the Chiefs lose. They'll know that going into the game. The Bills already have the AFC East locked up. They're going to have more than likely the two seed. With a win, they'll have the two seed locked up. But we want uh, – there's no – I would say there's no rooting interest, but there is because everybody wants the Bills to win. So we're going Bills to win and to cover that seven at home. Vikings and Bears, this one's clear. Minnesota's a six-point favorite at the Bears. The Bears are starting Nathan Peterman. Doesn't matter, but we want the Bears. The Bears are probably the one we're cheering the loudest for. On Sunday, Minnesota's a six-point favorite. I don't think the Bears can win this game with Nathan Peterman. But we're cheering for them. So I'm going Vikings to win. Let's get the Bears a cover. No, check that. I'm sorry. Vikings to cover. So Vikings winning cover. But we want the Bears to win. Let's go Peterman. Not Jay Peterman. Um, Nathan Peterman. Ravens, Bengals. I don't think we really have a dog in a fight of this one. But the Bengals have already clinched AFC North. The Bengals can, I'm sorry, the Ravens can improve their positioning with a win. The Bengals are favored by nine. I think the Bengals get a win, but it's closer than nine. I think it gets inside the nine, but the Bengals are going to win that thing at home. Jets and Dolphins. Now, the Dolphins are still, I believe, in this thing at eight and eight. The Jets are not. So, as. Honestly, I would like the Jets to win to get them eight wins. So at 7-10, and ten, the Jets with a loss are in that mix with Cleveland. But I'd like the Jets to kind of be further down. Um, actually, you know what? I take that back. We want the Jets to be 7-10. and ten. I take that back. Let's go Dolphins. 
Dolphins win this, maybe get into playoffs. Miami's favored by three at home. I'm going to give them the win and the cover. Don't know who's going to play quarterback for them. That's going to be interesting. Panthers, Saints. Panthers, 6-10. Saints, 7-9. Either way, the Texans sort of win with this one because somebody is going to go 7-10 or somebody's going 8-9. Panthers could go 6-11 and, and stay right where they are, and there's nothing you can do about that. So let's go with Panthers. Let's get them both at 7-10 and, and put them in that mix with the Browns. New Orleans is fair by three and a half. I think New Orleans can get the win, though. But we're cheering Panthers in that one. Browns, Steelers, you know where this one's going. We want the Browns to win. And Pittsburgh's fair by two and a half. I'm going to give the Steelers the win at home and the cover. And the Browns lose and fall seven and ten. And if that happens and these other games happen, maybe you could get a top ten pick with that one. Giants, Eagles. Doesn't matter either one. Philadelphia's fair by 14. Giants, it looks like they're going to rest people. That's why it's 14. I'm going to go Eagles to win this one. I don't know about the cover. They're not going to cover Cardinals and 49ers. Cardinals, well, they can't really do anything. 49ers by 14 and a half. It's a little rich. Cardinals are going to win by a couple touchdowns, try and get guys a rest when they get that win. They'll know the result of the Vikings game. So San Francisco wins, but the Cardinals cover. Last game for J.J. Watt. We'll say, uh, we'll say salut to J.J. Watt. Rams, Seahawks. Uh, Seahawks favored by six. Seahawks going to get the win. But because on Sunday night, the Packers get the win. The Seahawks won't make the playoffs. So, You've got Seattle beating the Rams, covering the six. You've got the Cowboys hammering the Commanders, which is awesome because, well, the Commanders, well, there's a reason for that. But we're going Dallas to win on the road and cover the seven. And then you got Packers beating the Lions and covering the five. So there you go. We get back a little Texans audio jukebox and Drew's final word with Kenny Green. That's next on Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and I always hate saying the last one. I like saying it could be the last one because that meant we were in the playoffs. You just never knew. Um, and so we would continue with our shows whenever we were in the playoffs in 14, I'm sorry, 15, 16, 18, 19. You didn't know when it was going to happen, so you just, all right, man, I hope we're here next week. And then, of course, a loss on Sunday, and, well, it's over. <laughs> and then it would just come to an abrupt halt. So we know when this one is ending, unfortunately. Uh, and that's going to be on Sunday, noon, Central Time. One, if you're up in Indianapolis going to the game, uh, because Indianapolis doesn't change for daylight savings time. So it's 1 o'clock up there. But anyways, either way, you want to listen to us on the radio from 12 to whenever the game's over. Mark Andre and myself. Uh, the ninth year that we have all been together going into t- year 10 for me. Those guys have been doing it for 20-plus, so um, I'm trying to catch them, uh, but I'll never catch them because hopefully I do every Texans game henceforth with those two gentlemen. Either way, Sean and Seth, 9 o'clock. You'll hear them on the pregame show. you hear Sean and Clint Sterner on the postgame wrap-up. And then on Monday, we'll have our normal shows. We'll have Texans Monday. We've got Coach's Show. Then we've got an all-access episode, and we'll try and wrap up everything that has been happening throughout the league on that particular day it's black monday and that's always kind of a tough tough day for nfl teams for coaching families for players it's for everybody um so we'll try and uh, bring the news to you as we see fit so let's get into this final segment and do a little audio jute box this is all about drew doherty this segment heard from dp earlier a couple times now we're gonna hear from drew drew goes in the locker room and gets what he calls a cutlet i Put it together in an audio jukebox. And so Drew caught up with A.J. Can to talk about week 18. 
tell us about the challenge that the Colts front seven presents for you guys. You know, a lot. It's a, it's a very talented group. You know, it starts with the inside guys, Grover Stewart, you know, uh, Buckner, phenomenal players. They got a defense that, that flies around, so we really got to be able to put a hat on the hat, run the ball well, and when it's time to pass, we got to protect well. What's it like playing a team in week 18 after you played them in week one? I mean, how different is the squad? Probably a whole lot different. They're able to compete. You know, they was down in the game, kind of like us, and being able to fight and compete. You know, like we all know, we're a totally different team and, and competing now, having a chance to win. And the coach put themselves in that same situation throughout the year. So I'm pretty sure it'd be probably a different game after last time. We got up on them by like 20 points, and I'm pretty sure they don't want that to happen again. So it'll probably be a tough physical game, division matchup. So of course it's gonna be a good game. How important is it for you guys to finish strong, finish with a win? You got to you put a good taste in our mouth after, you know, losing last week, being able to finish. That's, that's everything we've been preaching all year long, not being able to finish games. So hopefully we can come out and finish this season strong like we've, like we've been preaching and, you know, and just leave, leave, us, leave us with a good taste in our mouth. We all know what the record is, one loss-wise, but there's still some optimism for 2023, isn't there? Oh, yeah, plenty, man. You know, if we go out there we can like we're supposed to, we'll come back, you know, next year heated, you know, on that, what we are capable of doing, even – the past couple games up to this point, you know, we've been competing our butt off. So hopefully taking this energy into next year, we should be ready to go. Hey, aside from the matchup with the Colts, how nice is it to see the news about DeMar Hamlin and how he's improving? Well, you know, I, I just heard one of the buddies showed me a post about him breathing and, and responding and being able to respond, to, to feel and touch, holding people's hands. So that's that's awesome, man. Some Being in that situation, now he's opened his eyes, he's wrecking people, God's working. Hey, I didn't get a chance to talk with you, but how did that affect you when you saw what was going down in the day afterwards? Personally, me not 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 knowing him as a as a player or a person, but the situation that he was put in, you know, every, everybody, you know, you go out there every day not thinking about what can happen because, you know, you're trying to have fun, trying to enjoy the moment. But when something like that happens, you take a step back and you got to think about life sometime. And I'm not for sure it was on, on the couch just, just thinking of anybody could have been in that same situation, you know, and – it's heartbreaking to see him in that situation, and I definitely, you know, you wouldn't want nobody to be in that, be in that situation at all. AJ, thanks so much for the time. Best of luck to you. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Last week's game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, I couldn't help but think about AJ. When I was in the locker room, I was getting my interview um, at games and uh, post-game interview. Uh, I looked over and I saw AJ, and I thought, man, how tough is this for him? He had been at Jacksonville for, I think, the first six years or seven years of his career, and Jacksonville does nothing. And then he ends up moving to Houston, and then Jacksonville goes and wins the AFC South. But A.J. Can has been solid. He didn't get a game ball uh, for his work against the Tennessee Titans. I almost called them Nashville Titans. Uh, the Tennessee Titans. Um, and so he's played good, solid football at right guard. Now, the interior has not been great all year, but I think there's been some good football played by A.J. Can for sure. Now, we're going to get to another member of the interior a little later in Drew's final word. But let's talk to... I don't want to say a recently acquired receiver because it feels like this season's gone on for a while, but Amari Rogers has come to this team and given him some really good play, and Drew caught up with him in the locker room. All right, Amari, it's week 18. What's the goal? Uh, just to finish strong, go put good stuff out on tape and just finish strong with the team. Just go out there and just show that we still have fight. We've still been fighting all season, no matter what the circumstances have been. Just continue to show that and show that we're, you know, we're fighting for our coaches and stuff like that and that you know we still want to go out there and win games. Yeah, that's something on an individual level it's been clear to see that you've done since you've gotten here. 
what have you thought about your opportunity here with Houston? No, I've loved it, man. Ever since I got here, you know, I've just had my head down and just, just trying to take advantage of every opportunity I get. Even if it's blocking, you know, special teams or whatever it is, you know, just every op I get, just trying to make it play, you know, show them that, you know, I am a player that can stick here, you know, help the organization, you know, turn around and to win the program. So, you know, that's all I've been trying to do, just take advantage of my opportunities and, you know, just be a good teammate, just be good in the building, just to show them that, you know, I'm a person that, that you want here. We all know what the, the one loss record is, but there's clearly some reasons for optimism for 2023 and beyond here, aren't there? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I say we got a lot of young ballers on this team, especially on defense, you know, with Christian Harris and Jalen Petrie, you know, a lot of guys on there just, just making plays. Even on offense, we got a lot of young guys, you know, in DP at running back, and then there's a lot of other guys too. So, you know, I'm excited for the future for sure. Uh, I know we got a lot of young players that's going to step up next year and be leaders. And then, you know, we got a lot of picks in the draft too. So, you know, we're going to have a lot of help coming in as well. So, you know, I'm just excited to see going into the offseason, what it's going to look like. And then back to the game this Sunday. Colts defense, what are the challenges that, that are presented there? That's probably the one of the strongest uh, elements of our team is our defense. You know, our defense has played very well. So, you know, we just got to go out there and execute, you know, make plays that's given to us. Uh, they're a very strong defense, stout front seven. So, you know, we got to make plays in the, in the passing game for that uh, to get made, big plays made. So, you know, just going out there and just playing our game, being smart, being disciplined, you know, making plays when presented. Mari, appreciate the time. Best of luck. For sure. Thank you for having me. Man, I really like Amari Rodgers, and I hope he sticks around. I know the contract has him. I don't know what the length of it is. I'm trying to think. I think this was year two. So he's still got two more years on the contract, I think. So that's a good thing. Keep him here. Let him develop. You got Mechie coming in uh, next year, hopefully coming back off leukemia. You got Nico Collins still. You got a draft. You have free agency. So who knows what you'll do at the wide receiver position. But I think Amari Rodgers can find his way in that group. No doubt about it. Now. One no-doubter for 2023, a guy that should start every game, and we missed him the first eight games, seven ga- for seven games, six games, six games. Yeah, maybe it's five games because he played in week seven at Las Vegas. So there we go. Maybe I'll get it right at some point. But either way, Christian Harris uh, has been playing some really good football. Now, there are plenty of things that he can get better going forward. Eye discipline, definitely. He can get over-aggressive at times. But, man, I don't know where this defense is without him. So, yeah, there's some things he can work on. But I know Christian Harris has meant a lot to this defense. Andrew Doherty caught up with him as well. What do you see out of that quarterback? Um, he's a great quarterback. He's in the NFL for a reason. Uh, so, I mean, he obviously make those good throws. Um, I think we just have to make sure we're reading our keys, uh, having good eyes, and I mean, just reacting and doing what we're supposed to uh, make sure we're in the right spot. How important is finishing with a win? 100%, like very important. Um, I mean, it's definitely something we want to do, finish off the year strong, you know, just kind of with a good taste in our mouth and, you know, motivating going into next year. So, How much have you grown as a player from when you debuted against the Raiders to now? I feel like I've grown a lot. I'm um, getting more confident, playing a lot faster, just still trying to steady do that and continuously improve. So, Wins, losses, we know what those are, but there's optimism. There's certainly some reasons for optimism for 2023 mm-hmm. and beyond. What are those? Um, I mean, really just trying to, you know, keep a positive mindset and, I mean, come in this next year and ready to work, kind of do the same thing that we did this year. I mean, just expecting different outcomes with that. I mean, like I said, I said it before, you got to come into work regardless of the circumstances, ready to work um, and continue pushing, keeping everybody bringing with you. So um, I think, you know, just kind of keep that same mindset for next year and get everybody on that same page and we'll be good. Yeah, there's no doubt. Get everybody on the same page is the key going forward. And there have been times when this defense has been all on the same page and it's looked good. There have been times it's looked really good. Against Cleveland, it looked really good. Against Dallas at different points, it looked really good. Kansas City, they did a great job slowing Kansas City down, creating turnovers, taking the ball away. Um, Nashville against Tennessee, man, they really good after that first long run by Henry. So they've had moments. Now they need more players, more elite players, and continued growth together. 
And once that happens, this could be a defense that you do not want to trifle with. Speaking of not wanting to trifle with in the future, I think an offseason of working out purely getting ready for a football season, not for a draft, and Kenyon Green's going to come back in 2023 and be a major rocking foundation on the interior. And it's Drew's final word, the final word of the season. We give it to two Houstonians, Drew Doherty and Kenyon Green. Drew, take it away. Thanks so much, fellas. We've got Kenyon Green, offensive lineman for the Houston Texans with us. And Kenyon, first of all, good to see you. Let's start off with stuff going on away from the Texans. This has been a different week for you, considering what happened with DeMar Hamlin. What's it been like? Sad situation. Just been praying for him, praying for his family. You know, I've seen that he's getting better and better each day. So you know, I'm just giving all to God. I just hope he, you know, he can get back to, you know, walking and, um, you know, breathing on his own 100%. It's the most important thing. Yeah, thankfully, we've seen that good news about Hamlin, and we will continue to keep those prayers and thoughts going. Switching over to the Texans, playing the Colts. It's the finale. You played them in the opener. What's it like facing a team that you faced so long ago? It seems like eons, doesn't it? Yeah, um, it's a brand-new team. They went through a bunch of games like we've been through, so you know it's two different teams, so you just got to be ready, be locked in for this week. They've struggled quite a bit this year, but their defense – it's been kind of consistent. It's a good defense. What do you make of that front seven there? Oh, yeah, it's a great front seven. Got a lot of good players. You know, we just got to do our job, you know, take it play by play, finish, you know, finish the game. What's been different about you from the start of the season? Where do you think you've improved? Where do you want to improve more, maybe? I feel like I, I improved a lot in just, you know, my mental aspect, especially like in the game, too. You know, going against great players throughout the whole year. Things that I feel like I got better as uh, with my feet. My hand placement is getting better. And I'm going to continue to work on that in the offseason and just keep building, you know, and be ready for the, the next upcoming year. What's it been like playing next to Laramie Tunsil? Turned in a Pro Bowl season. He's perhaps going to be an All-Pro. What's it like playing next to number 78? It's great, you know, having somebody that good right next to you, helping you, you know, just he's seeing things before you see it. Makes it a little easier for me. You know, I try to do my best. I can, you know, to help him out, you know, with double teams, different games that come on, like, twist and, and all that. So just making sure that I'm – I'm there supporting my teammate like he's supporting me. He kind of helped support you in this interview, too, because you were volunteered for it, weren't you? Yeah, him and Titus. <laughs> he and Titus helped get you out there. That's kind of uh, nice, right? Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> well, we appreciate you, man. We appreciate the time. Can't wait to see what year number two as a Texan holds for you. How exciting is that? I know you're focused on the game, but you're always looking towards the future, aren't you? Oh, yeah. I can't wait for this offseason. You know, I have a full offseason that came off an injury last year, you know, had surgery and everything. So I have a, a full, complete offseason that I can, you know, get better. And I'm very excited. We are, too. The pride of Atascacita, Kenyon yeah. Green. We appreciate the time, my friend. Thank you. God bless. I know people have been down on Kenya just because of some of the things that have happened this year. He's coming off injury. He didn't do a lot in training camp. Was thrown into the fire. Handled himself well. And really, it was in that Raiders game when he came out of that game with some sort of upper body injury. And I don't know that he was right the rest of the year. He tried to fight through it. He's got the ankle. So he's got to get himself put back together. Hopefully, he can step away from the game for a little bit and then start just rolling, getting ready. For 2023 and that is what we are going to do after Sunday is get ready for 2023 and we've said this uh, you know the last last couple of years uh, it was kind of tough going into 2021 because well we know why it was tough going into 2021 but you didn't have any first or second round draft picks this past year you had first round draft picks you drafted Sting you drafted Kenyon 
You drafted Petrie and Pierce and Quatoriano and Christian Harris. And unfortunately, you drafted Mechie, but he'll be a draft pick in 2023 coming off the torn ACL at, uh, in the 2021 season and then leukemia in 2022. So hopefully you can get him back on the field. The future is bright for this organization. I don't think there's any question. With salary cap space, with rookies that are on hand, the ability to look ahead and have hope is, is there. And, and that's what I have. I have hope that this organization is going to take a major step. I mean, look at Jacksonville. Look at the steps that Jacksonville started to take. And they got it right, and they're getting it right. And that's what the Texans need to do this offseason is get it right and get people back in the stands that love this football team, that support this football team. And this thing starts moving forward for a long time with a solid foundation. And I think that's as tough as it's been the last three years. That's what this organization has been aiming to do is establish the foundation. Well, Jalen Petrie's part of it. Damian Pierce is part of it. Nico Collins is part of it. Um, Laramie Tunsil, the OG, is part of it. Um, Christian Harris is part of it. There are a lot more pieces to the foundation than there have ever been since, obviously, we've had changes since the end of the 2019 season. Uh, it's been a tough go. You guys have been awesome in supporting us all the way, and we appreciate that more than you will ever, ever know. To stay by our side through everything has been hard. And trust me, even if you don't hear it from us, just know we've been as frustrated as you guys. It's been hard, really, really hard to have 10 wins in three years. And hopefully we can get number 11 on Sunday, but we'll see how that goes against the Colts. But we're going to get this thing right going forward in 2023 and beyond. And a big thanks to everybody that was part of this show, to DP, to Drew, to Mark, to Lovey, to the GOAT, Andre Johnson, to Tremont Smith, to Lair Overton, to AJ Can, Christian Harris, Amari Rogers, and Kenyon Green. Thank you all so much. We will see you on Monday where we'll close it all down, but mainly Sunday when we get one final opportunity to 2022 season. We'll see you then, everybody, and as always, go Texans.